You're listening to the best morning routine ever podcast, the show that proves no one stumbles upon success ever. With your host, Lou Need. Every Mondays and Thursdays, we deliver cold heart evidence behind the power of a robust morning routine. Get ready to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Hello, morning enthusiasts. Welcome to the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lunid, and today it's an honor, it's a joy to be here with you, but also to bring on a special guest. Um, oh my goodness, so far away from the world. We are 12 hours apart, but we are here today to connect and talk about fitness. But today, we have today on the show, Andy Chen. Andy has a genuine passion for making positive impact in the fitness industry through learning and sharing different unique methods, drawing on his master's degree in exercise science and influenced by his, get it, 10 years stay in the United States. Andy has a unique outlook on health and athletic performance. So we are going to learn about traditional Chinese medicine integrated into this training and also how to get a holistic aspect on how to incorporate training, physical fitness, performance to your well-being. And so with no further ado, Andy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time. Tell the world where you're calling from. (laughs) I'm calling from Hong Kong all the way out here in Asia. This is phenomenal, isn't it? We were just talking offline how our business has gone global. Like our competitors are no longer next to us. They are international. Oh, you're definitely right. And I think we can all become friends and kind of grow our business together and work together and make the world a better place. I totally agree. So today we're going to talk about, you have an extensive experience in this, and I'm looking forward to hear about the Chinese medicine integrated in this process. But first, tell us a little bit more about your journey so far. How did you get involved in this? Sure. Well, we live in a day and age where information abundance seems closer to the point of drowning rather than life-saving. So if you go online and search for ways to become faster, stronger, healthier, happier, you'd be bombarded with so much information, right? So my job as a strength and conditioning coach, as an educator, as a presenter, and now an author is to help others deconstruct all this information so that no one has to waste time doing things that actually hinders their athletic performance, but actually move better and ultimately live healthier. Hmm. Yeah, we, we can definitely use being able to condense the information because it is overwhelming. That's the beauty of the internet as well is there's so much information out there of info overload. And so we have to be able to nitpick to what is important and what matters. So you set out to train coaches in the industry, correct? Okay, so tell us a little bit about, about that. Yeah. So I I do personal training, obviously. And I also train coaches on the weekend. So I work for the National Academy of Sports Medicine. And there I'll I'll do these daily or I'll do these eight hour workshops where we work on various aspects of coaching. Mm, Interesting. So um, how can because some right now a lot of people, there's a lot of coaches out there, right? So many of us. I mean, there's physical fitness and that's how it started. And then there's coaching, life coaching, business coaches, marketing coaches. There's so many. Everyone's tagging on the, the name behind their their title as a coach. How do you go about, especially in the fitness industry, to know somebody's qualified, certified, can be trusted in that and feel what kind of training would they have? Oh, that's a great question. You know, on the topic of coaching, seriously, nowadays, if I go on social media, you've got so many fancy titles. You've got this coach, that coach, that coach. I, I didn't even know these areas existed. And so, 
You know, I think the way that I'll go about all coaches is the same. And that is one, I, I look for the qualifications. And, mm-hmm. and I know a lot of times people say that qualifications don't really matter because there's a big gap between implementing what you learned in school versus real life. Yeah. But my viewpoint is if they have the qualification, at least they've put the effort in into knowing more about the actual science or the actual knowledge behind whatever they're doing. So that's mm-hmm. the first. And the second part for me is I, when I'm talking with the person, I need to know whether the, the coach that I'm working with or the coach that you're working with is a good listener. Mm-hmm. And certainly in the intro, you know, it's, it says that I spent 10 years in the US and I'm profoundly grateful for the fact that I get to be educated in the US. But, you know, I sort of have this love-hate relationship with one of my favorite subjects and that was public speaking. Mm-hmm. You see, in, in the US, we are taught to express our ideas. We're taught to present to the world whatever we have on our minds and to freely express whatever we have in order to make an impact. Yeah. Yet, I think not many of us have been educated to be an active listener, you know, where we are curious about the person we're talking to, where we're absolutely interested in sharing the same story as, as the person that we're talking to. So yeah. I would say that whenever you stumble a, upon that person that's actually listening to you without thinking about their lunch or whatever their date, then, then I think that will make the person more relatable and trustworthy. So the two qualities that I will look for is one, qualification, and two, whether the person is a good listener. Good listener, active listener, right? Yeah, in, to ensure that they're trustworthy. And I would imagine that's important because you want to find out why they want to lose 20 pounds, right? Because you, you got to find out what's the, as you said, the reason behind the motive to come and train. What's their goals? Because if you have, if you know what their goal are, you can use that as an incentive and motivation to carry them through the process. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on. And, and after all, you have to establish a relationship between you and whomever you're working with. So there's no better way to start off than to actually listen to them. Yeah. Is there bodybuilding where you are? Is there bodybuilding where I am? Yeah, I am. But I would say, thankfully, I was never really into bodybuilding because just of my, the way that I'm taught, because you see just, just a little bit about my training philosophy. I, I do a lot of movement-based training. So instead of focusing on isolated muscle training, where we just focus on the peg or the back or what have you, I do more total body movement training where we focus on the movement pattern because the way that we train others. So the organizations that we're with, whenever we're teaching courses, we say that the whole, the priority of us working out is that we want to develop a skill inside the gym that can be transferred to life outside the gym. So if I can move better inside the gym, then I can definitely move better outside the gym. Well, guess what? Sometimes if we're just training on the machines, okay, I can have the best looking quad or I can have the best looking pec uh, compared to everyone else. But is that going to make me pick up my kids easier? Is that going to make me pick up my groceries easier? Is that going to make me get into the car easier? Well, not, not, not necessary, right? So yeah. I think in my movement-based approach, we I'm training for better coordination and balance so that I can move better and thereby perform better on the field. I do like that. Yeah, because you take it home with you and also in your day-to-day activity. Um, so for tell us about the Chinese medicine, traditional Chinese medicine that you integrated. Is that the move, the total body movement and flow? Sure. With the Chinese uh, medicine, I think uh, I have to share a little story. I think 
back in 2016 in, in the Olympics, Michael Phelps had these purple dots on his uh, on yeah. his back, right? So there were cubbing signs. And ever since then, I think the fitness community has gone crazy over these oriental recovery methods, right? So you will see cubbing, you might find gua sha or scraping, you might see yeah. acupuncture. And when I was in my master's, as one of my projects, I just wanted to find out the efficacy of cubbing because, you know, I, I think people growing up in Hong Kong, I'm familiar with the, the technique, but I think people in the U.S. aren't really. So mm-hmm. I did my research online and I found that there were two perspectives. One is the Western exercise science, which focuses on the soft tissue or, or, or your muscles. And the second perspective was the Chinese medicine perspective, right? And here was the problem. Just kind of looking back to my 10 years in the U.S., I think Chinese medicine was always presented as weird and mysterious <laughs> and no one was... <laughs> No one will be able to explain to me the the tangible benefits of TCM, right? So, so then I was like, okay, uh, maybe in the entrepreneurial spirit, I I'll do a collaboration with a Chinese medicine practitioner to unpack the language so that people can at least understand <laughs> the foundation of it, right? Yeah. Without coming off as weird, and so that's what I did. Uh, I I spent a few years learning that, and what I found was that you know Chinese medicine is based upon a simple premise that good health relies on harmony between different aspects of life. Mm-hmm. And guess what? I think in the West, a lot of us have been taking this isolated approach where we kind of treat everything in isolation. So ever since then, I, I just decided to take this holistic approach. So if, if someone is to come in to work with me, we'll look at their diet, we'll look at their emotions, and we'll look at the way they train. Because the way I see it is that all three aspects are intricately linked. And the way that Chinese medicine sees it is that you you must treat the person as a whole. So I would say that's kind of where the Chinese medicine philosophy comes in. I don't do any diagnosis because I'm not a practitioner, um, but I do take uh, pieces of the philosophy to incorporate it into my training. I do like that. Um, And I agree with you. Um, I guess the Western way of doing it is, is just isolating muscles like bodybuilding or cupping, right? We, we are gravitated towards that because but then again, it has to do with us being individualistic culture versus the collective collectivism, right? The collective hmm. culture. <laughs> That's a very interesting way. I, I, I've never thought of that. Now, now that you say it, I, I will have to meditate on that this week. It's an interesting <laughs> point. Right, because that's that's your audience. And so let's talk about that. For those who don't know the difference, um, you know, tell us about the different individualistic versus collective um, cultures and how that is actually affecting the way we live day to day, you know, the way we train every day. Yeah, I mean, from now that you mentioned it, you know, from a macro level, I think the other day I was having lunch with someone and we we're talking about public speaking and we we're talking about how a difference in culture, right? In the US, in order to deliver a good speech, you have to be engaging because if you're not engaging, no one's going to have, no one's going to listen to you. Well, in Asia, you know, you get the attention because you're the leader. Okay. So it doesn't matter how boring and dry your speeches are. (laughs) People have to enter, (laughs) people have to go through it. And, and certainly I think in, in the Western medical system, you have specialists in that specializes in different areas of the body. The great thing about that, and I, I don't want to undermine any of their expertise, is that you do become an expert in one organ. But yeah. I would say sometimes you you miss out on the on the important point that everything is interconnected, right? Um, for mm-hmm. instance, if you go to a Chinese medicine practitioner, they kind of look at the entire body and your lifestyle and and so on. So I think they they realize that well, actually, when things don't go right, you know, there might be multiple things happening at once. So I would say that's that's the major difference there. Yeah. And I think um, 
our culture is moving towards that, the collective and the whole approach, because we realize one, if there's a bad apple, then there's other areas that you want to actually take a look at, especially with healthcare these days too, and then dealing with the health, the whole, the well-being of the individual. I do find it we're moving towards the traditional Chinese medicine of, let's look at the whole picture. Let's look at the whole person. What are their stress level? What's their family like? What season of their life are they in? Um, you know, how busy are they? And then where there's a need to kind of go back and, and start meditating more. There's a need to go back and sit still and be quiet. And so we're somehow integrating the traditional Chinese medicine back into every aspect of, of what we do here, which is interesting because it's more peaceful. It, it kind of tax, tax in the, the whole person. I agree with you. And, and really, if you just look at, for example, the health and wellness space, you can't really talk about mental wellness without mentioning the need to move you know, regularly. Yeah. And you can't really talk about diet on its own without mentioning the effects of stress on the digestive system, right? If we're under chronic stress, we're not going to digest well. So why are you talking about superfoods if someone is stressed all the time? And and so I I agree with you. And people are tired of taking artificially made vitamins. and, and, (laughs) And I mean, who wants to pop 10 pills a day, right? So that's why people are gravitating towards these natural remedies. They're meditating. They're realizing that, you know, if you eat real authentic foods, you know, you're mm-hmm. going to get the vitamins that you need. Yes, yes. And then I, I just switched over to plant-based and I, I've never felt better. And it, it's amazing and how much diet incorporates into your mental clarity, into your whole well-being. And I know as a, um, as a physical fitness and you're, you're coaching all these um, trainers, like you talk about diet, right? They said 70% in the kitchen and the rest of it is in the gym. <laughs> Elaborate yeah, on that. You're right. I would say 90% in the kitchen. And, wow. and but to add that, I would say in, in my personal view, traditionally we would say 90% in the kitchen when it comes to your diet and then 10% exercise if you want a six pack. But now <laughs> what I'm saying is, you know, the diet don't matter if you don't take care of your mental health. Right. And, and I think that we, especially during the pandemic where we're in lockdown all the time, if we're depressed all the time, you know we lack motivation and you see a ripple effect where your diet is influenced. So I, I think to me, if I'm to put a percentage, I would say, you know, 40, 40. So 40% emotions, 40% diet and 20% movement. That's interesting. That's interesting. So let's talk about the mindset, right? The mental aspect of it, because you, there has to be some type of fortitude, some strength mentally to get you to move forward with any goal because you can't rely on willpower. And that's where habits come in. That's why you training comes in, but there has to be a a decision made mentally that you're Mm going to move forward with this and keep it. How important is that? I think it is important. And I always reference James Clare's, you know, atomic habits. I'm sure a lot of your guests have, have uh, quoted him since he, he did write a book on habits and aggregation of marginal gains. I think that's a profound concept because 1% better every single day can lead to a remarkable significance in the long run. Yeah. But I just to elaborate on that point, the reason why that holds true in human performance is actually because everything does play a role, right? If everything is, is in isolation, then 1% better everywhere, it, it doesn't make a difference. But uh, because the fact that everything is interconnected, 1% everywhere will accumulate to something significant and remarkable. So. I think have that in mind, then I will know that just that one 
decision of junk food, it, it will actually impact and hinder my progress. Right. Just that one decision of oh, scrolling on my phone 10 minutes before I go to bed, it's going to impact my sleep. And if I, if my sleep gets impacted, then I'm going to have a not so ideal day the day after. So I, right. I say for me, it's all about these small decisions that we make in life and you have to have the grand goal in mind and you have to know and remind yourself that that 1% that you do makes a big difference in the long run. Compounding effect. I agree. And, and you said something that's very interesting that, you know, if you don't get a good night's sleep, then the day is all screwed up. So the morning routine starts the night before, right? <laughs> so let, let's... Absolutely. Uh, yeah, let's chime into that. Let's talk about how you get up, dress up and show up. Tell us about your morning routine. Sure. I... So a little bit about myself. I have a 17-month-old baby. And Congrats. <laughs> You're busy. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yes, I, I am busy. And I can certainly relate and to those who are newborn dads because I think previously I had a lot of control with my morning routine and my bedtime routine. Yeah. But now with a kid in mind, I have a human alarm clock. I, I joke <laughs> and tell people. And so my, my routine mainly is consists of two uh, important things. And those are one, get a glass of water as soon as I wake up because yeah. after eight hours of sleep, you know, I'm dehydrated. And we know from a human movement science point of view, our muscles and our fascia or soft tissue are mainly consist of water and other fluids. So if I'm dehydrated, it's going to impact my ability to move. And that's the last mm. thing I want as a trainer. And nice. the second, the second thing I do is I do breathing practice. And keep in mind, I have to paint a picture for you because this is where my son is crying for my attention, right? <laughs> and that's why you want an alarm clock. And the last thing I want is to be in that sympathetic state in the morning. Because mm -hmm. if you have been woken up by someone crying, you know, your first reaction is, okay, why is my son crying? I need to go comfort him, blah, 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 blah. No, based on past experience of the past 17 months, there was only one instance where, where he had a high fever. So the chances are he just wants my attention. So mm -hmm. in the morning when I wake up, I get my water and I do some breathing practices for as long as I can before I calm down and, and love my son and pour some love on him. Um, because yeah. 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 So just to calm my mind down, really, uh, because I'm woken up already. So those are right. the two things. Grab a glass of water and breathing practice. Yeah. Water in the morning is so pivotal. It helps wake you up. But I like what you said about it without skin being so much water that it helps us move. Drinking it first thing in the morning will, will increase that mobility in our joints and in our bodies because we've been fasting for six to eight hours. Right. And the brain is over 70 percent water. So if we want to start thinking clearly, we got to get some fluid up in there. <laughs> and You're absolutely right. And the last thing that I do, I forgot to mention, is I have some real food in the morning. So, um, and for example, this morning I had, yeah, this morning I had some udon noodles. I added in some corn, added in some fresh vegetables just to kickstart the day with some real food instead of processed food like cereal, for example. Absolutely. And all that sugar you don't need in your body. Uh, <laughs> your, your breath <laughs> yeah. Your breathing practice, um, you know, you do it to kind of help you show up for your son as well, right? Because you 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 have to take care of yourself. Right? Like on the air, airlines, they say to put your mask on first before you can help everyone else. So if you're waking up in this alarming state where cortisol is like peaking in your body, when you show up to your son, it won't be loving. You know? Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, I'll be alert. 
<laughs> Why are you crying? <laughs> right. Your tone of voice is going to change your face. And he's learning your, your facial expressions, right? He's learning from it. He's, he's adapting them. And if, if it's not loving and kind, then he's picking on that. And you don't ever want to do that as a parent. And so I, I see that when you do your deep breathing is so that you can sh- show up better for him show up in your life, show up in your business. And that that's important. I think that's the beauty of the morning routine is like we do it. Yes, it's for ourselves, it's, but we do it for those around us as well because we change for them. Are you right? It ties back to the unconditional love uh, episode that you released on Valentine's Day. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, unconditional love for yourself. It has to start with you. And if you can show it for yourself, you can show it to everyone else. Yes, yeah. absolutely right. <laughs> that That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I really, really like the, the piece about the, the breathing. Although you have a crying baby waiting for you, but you take you know that two, two seconds just to kind of compose yourself, get into that state and that, that headspace. Tell us about the importance of that. Why increase that mental muscle? Because it is a muscle. Because a lot of people can't meditate. They say, they have thoughts running through my mind. I can't sit still. I can't stay quiet. Tell us how one can begin to build that mental muscle. Sure. I think with a lot of behavioral change, certainly whenever I, I tell my clients or suggest a practice, a change in their lifestyle, I think the first thing we have to do is to see the importance of doing so or see the urgency to why we should do it. And the matter of fact is these days as, as a person living in 2021, there's just way too many stimuluses throughout the mm-hmm. day, right? We've, we've got, we're always rushing and we're always talking. We're always upregulating. We're having so much coffee. We're, you know, we're always just in this upstate because I think we're encouraged to just show up and be great and be energetic. Mm-hmm. Yet we have to recognize that, it, that there are times where we have to downregulate because we, we can't just be hyped up for the entire day. So I think for all the listeners out there, know that it is perfectly fine for you to have intervals where you kind of just recover and where your heart rate slows down. And 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 I think as soon as you know that you don't have to be the hyper person in order to do well, mm-hmm. you don't have to be hyper for, for an extended period of time. I think you can just kind of back up a little bit and let your body recover. Because when you can recover, you'll be hyper when you need it. But if you just hyper the entire day, you cannot sustain it. Wow, it would be exhausting. That's a great analogy. Go in intervals. Yeah, intervals. I mean, this ties back to the yin-yang concept, right? This is one of the concepts that we try to demystify because, you know, yin-yang in the US, you see in some obscure places and a rap dual name and and rare places yeah. like that. So, but the concept is quite profound. It's just black and white. So if I'm hyper all the time, I also need to spend some time being calm. And, mm-hmm. and that's certainly true. So for... For all, if you are a coach today, like for example, I'm a personal trainer and if I'm working, I'm obviously hyped up because I'm, I'm not going to be a calming presence when I'm <laughs> training someone to do a deadlift. Uh, but there are going to be you know moments where I just go into the corner. I do some breathing practice, just kind of calm down. And it's totally okay for me to doze off because that's kind of where I recover. And as soon as, as soon as I'm recharged, I'll go back out and be the energetic me again. So yeah. Just know that it's totally fine. Yeah, I like it. It's fine. It's okay to to stay calm. It's okay to recharge. It's okay to have a, a day of doing nothing. I think the Italian says the art of doing nothing. It's an art. <laughs> People don't know how to do that. We don't know how to practice that, you know, because we want to scroll so social media. We feel like we're not doing much, but the body's recharging. The brain is re- recharging. I have a piece on my meditation that just asks me to to do nothing, to think of nothing. Um, for as long as I can. It's almost, almost like give the brain some relaxing. 
That is a challenge. I mean, especially as entrepreneurs, right? I think we're growing our business and a lot of us listening to the podcast, we're trying to grow something, develop something. Yeah. And, and the fact that we have to be like, hey, can you slow down there? I <laughs> think it's like, what do you mean slow down? I want to keep working hard. Yeah, things are moving 100 miles per hour. and But it's important. It's almost like our morning routine. If we don't do it, we don't show up better in our business. We don't think clearly. We don't make the right decisions, right? We don't interact with our team members um, effectively. We don't, we're not present. Ah, absolutely. Presence is key. Yeah, I think we do it so we can be present and enjoy it, enjoy it. We enjoy it more when we actually take the time to take care of the mental um, muscle, as we call it. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Everything is integral. Absolutely. So Andy, thank you so much. I really appreciate this conversation. How can we connect with you? Where can we find you? Yep. People can reach me on Instagram. My Instagram account name is Chichu Andy. So T-S-Z-C-H-I-U Andy. And they can also access my website, chichu.com. And if they would like to read more about my my philosophy on training, they could search Dynamic Balance on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and everywhere books are sold. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your book before you go. Sure. So my book is a collaboration between a Chinese medicine practitioner, Stella Wong, and me. In Dynamic Balance, not only do we want to introduce to you the basic terminologies of traditional Chinese medicine, we want to give you an actionable plan so that you can review three critical areas of lifestyle, namely your diet, your emotion, and your training, so that you can examine your lifestyle and figure out a plan that is best and conducive to athletic performance and overall health. Mm, very nice. I think the energy is a big component of that equation. Um, we undermine it. We we take it for granted, but you know we're, we're a bundle of energy, right? We ha- it has to flow. It has to be fluid. And I think we don't take consideration the importance of it in anything that we do. We have to have the right, what they say, vibes, right? The right energy um, to go along with it. I agree with you. I think Whenever we mention the term energy, sometimes it's seen as this kind of weird and mysterious force, right? But it really isn't. It's just energy is energy. When you're energetic, you have a great day. Yeah. And the universe is made out of energy. So, <laughs> so are we. Yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely right. <laughs> Andy, this has been a great conversation. Thank you for making time to see us and hang out with us this morning. I really appreciate your time and energy. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> it was a great, great time. Awesome. All right, morning enthusiasts, that's it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. If you love the best morning routine ever podcast, we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or Google Play. While you're at it, tell a friend about the show. Be sure to visit bestmorningroutineever.com and our Facebook group to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic free bonus content. Until next time.